I'm always amazed upon hearing this gospel that more people don't run for the door. You brood of vipers, John the Baptist says. At least perhaps our liturgy should ground to a grinding halt because just in time for Christmas, here he is crying out in the wilderness and like many prophets, he is no politician. He insults his listeners almost from the moment they arrive on the scene. They've come out to the wilderness seeking something from John. Perhaps a bit of truth, perhaps a bit of hope. But what they get instead is this epithet, a fiery accusation of their shortcomings, a litany of their failures of faith. We might wonder if this John is the prophet who stole Christmas. The one who takes the wind out of our sails at a critical moment in all of our preparations. Maybe he's the one who leaves that lump of coal in our spiritual stockings for being naughty this year. The proverbial bad cop for Jesus coming good cop. This past Monday, out for a walk to my son's school, I came across a scene that you all know. At one of the big intersections of Camino Alto, there was a homeless man standing there with a placard, looking for handouts from cars coming by. I was amazed at the tapes that played in my own head because I was about to pass him on the street, on foot. And one of the tapes said, I'm glad you have no money in your wallet, Helmer. Another tape said, I wonder if there's a place that I could offer to send him. Nothing came to mind. Well then, I thought I will pray for him as I pass by. But then I wondered, will that be enough? Somebody had given him an apple. And so as I was headed in the direction of Long's Drugs, he headed in that same direction, eating his apple, I guess to stop for a bathroom break. I didn't have the courage to stop and ask him, where are you headed? How can I help you? What would John the Baptist say to me about that, I wonder, this week? What would he say to all of us as so many of us drive by? You know, this gospel is one of the rare moments in Scripture where prophetic witness gets coupled with practical advice. It's a gracious moment, if you will, in the prophetic tradition where the people are stunned to silence and careful listening. The prophetic temper has their rapt attention. The people have come to John. They are seeking metanoia, what we translate into our common language as repentance. But what we have recently in the Christian tradition collapsed simply into the narrow understanding of turning away from sin. And there's really nothing simple about that at all. 
But John's metanoia means so much more than that even. It means complete transformation, not only of the individual, but of society, of the world itself. The proclamation of the good news is that God's impending reign is not just going to make us feel better, like popping some kind of pill delivered by a divine pharmacy, but it's going to completely upend our perspectives, our decision-making processes, and even the way we interact with one another, with creation, and with our maker. We might have thought we were getting a cute little child for Christmas, but instead the gift wrapped up in prophetic fire is a completely new way of life. An utterly new path that will radically alter the way we've been going. The people who come to John know in their heart of hearts that something is wrong with the world and with their place in it. The Gospel of Luke highlights the tax collectors, who were pariahs not only of first century Palestine, but of the wider Greco-Roman world. They were notorious for adding on to an already crushing burden of tribute to Rome and then pocketing the difference. And if they were Jewish, they suffered the additional indignity of being considered ritually impure because they handled the money of Gentiles as part of their regular labor. Soldiers as well get specific treatment in this gospel, how to behave justly, in an occupied land where they are largely viewed by the people as impostors. John the Baptist tells them not to abuse their physical power for their own gain. And then for the rest of us, the us being both the general crowds that come out for John's baptism and the us millennia later who come for a bit of good news this day, John minces no words. There is no transformation in simply sitting comfortably in the faith we have inherited. Whether we claim Abraham as our ancestor or whether we expect our claims as Christians as sufficient by themselves for our salvation. Baptism, you see, is a participatory event after all. God might kick it off, but then, as in all relationships, God awaits our response, awaits our participation in bearing good fruit. We have all been taught to embrace a gospel of grace. Yes, indeed. But it is never enough to simply say, I believe and then get on again with our busy lives as though nothing has changed. It is never enough to simply say, I belong, and then avoid the hard work of relationship that belonging to Christian community and taking our citizenship in the wider world demand. What would John the Baptist say to us, I wonder, as we continue the slow climb out of recession? What would John the Baptist say to us as we in this country continue to face double-digit unemployment? 
What would John the Baptist say to us as our Anglican leadership continues to publicly duke it out over bishop elections and human sexuality, while HIV and preventable disease and poverty and hunger and homelessness continue to consume our sisters and brothers? What would John the Baptist say as our world leaders gather in Copenhagen, as they try to hammer out a bit of justice, not only for creation, but for the teeming poor and our children's future, all threatened by climate change? What would John the Baptist say to us as Americans as we send more of our blood and treasure to add to the military might we have in Afghanistan? And what would John the Baptist say to us here as we engage the Christmas routines that are so familiar this time of year? Would he ask us, has anything changed in you this year? Are you ready, are you truly ready to embrace the transformative grace of Christ to take ownership of your faith and share it with others around you in need. If we indeed agree with those who came to John that something is wrong with the world and our place in it, if we are prepared to embrace a new teaching that will upend even our most carefully ordered lives, if we dare to say yes to God's invitation to participate in the grace that is coming into our midst, then we truly become an Advent people. Advent people recognize that their faith is not just a Sunday morning phenomenon, but a week-long endeavor. Advent people prayerfully turn over their lives each morning and each evening, inviting the Spirit's gift for change, sometimes radical change, if need be. Advent people are ready to speak the truth to one another, to speak the truth to power when it's needed, and to always speak the truth to themselves. Because in the words of Christ, it is the truth that sets us free. And in that way, Advent people are always on a quest for humility, willing to stop and listen deeply to God's call in their midst and to follow it even when it is uncomfortable or unpopular. In these and so many other ways, Advent people are always preparing for the coming of Christ. In these ways, you and I participate in the grace we receive at our common table week in and week out. The love we have received day in and day out from our God. The gift of life we are given with each passing breath. So be still for a few moments this day, my sisters and brothers, and listen for the call of John the Baptist at the shore of our collective Jordan. 
What are you being called to do and to be differently this Advent? Then go forth and do it and be it, whatever God is calling you to. And live again into the transformation that God is unfolding even now in our hearts and in our lives as we await the coming of our Savior. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley Org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to be able to greet you in person very soon.